Crock Elite, a podcast about no effects. Back again for another show with the Punk Rock Elite podcast. With me, Eddie French. And, and me, R- Red Redman. I-, I wanted to play like, um, uh, oh wait, I've, oh no, it doesn't matter. I thought we were doing another bit, but we're not doing the Christmas bit. We're doing self-entitled, so I'll shut up. Yeah, we're we're recording the intro for self-entitled. Um <laughs> Although this does have Xmas has been X'd on it, doesn't it? So maybe that's why you got confused. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I mean, not to give away a huge amount about this episode, but Red and I are both ill and feeling a bit shit. So um, yeah, I've got, but... I've got the vid. Oh, oh, is it? Is it? Is it the vid? Oh yeah, I've got the vid. You, um, you're straight up Ronin. Yeah, I've I've it tested positive and everything. Oh no coughing and and uh you know it, it's not it's not horrendous i've had it worse than this but it's just yeah. like it's taken ages like i got it this time last week oh it's not good enough is it they you used to be ill and then mind you you used to be ill and then be forced to go to work to spread it around make sure that <laughs> everyone yeah. got a big chunk of it <laughs> and not to date this but uh we are in the uk we found out recently um just how little of a shit um, the uh, government at the time cared about coronavirus because their WhatsApp messages have just been um, yes, handed over have, to an yeah. inquiry. So we're just finding out that um, Boris Johnson wondered. And I'm like, there's Americans listening. We know a huge number of Americans listen to this, uh, like a huge percentage of our audience, mm-hmm. given that we're a UK podcast. But um, if we've ever made a joke about Donald Trump not being very f- clever, <laughs> you know what we We're stand sorry. by those but we do need to hold our hands up and say boris johnson the then prime minister did ask somebody if they could cure covid by blowing a hairdryer up their own nose well he had seen it on youtube in his defense oh right oh sorry i didn't <laughs> do you know what i just looked at the headline oh look at me spreading false information <laughs> um i think it makes it worse it depends where you do it if he's like if he's got like one of those you know those steam baths that you put a blanket over your head and you do the 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 deep inhaling maybe he thought you could like supercharge it by instead of just using your own normal lungs (laughs) like high speed it through especially one of those like dyson hair dryers that are like you know that are basically hot air guns maybe maybe that kind of thing i don't know but yeah so so we're, so we're sorry if we've ever made it seem like only one country in the world can have an idiot in charge of it, <laughs> because um, there's at least two. And looking at the rest of the world, five, five minimum. So we're very sorry. How have you been other than ill? Uh, yeah, fine. You know, I mean, I haven't really known much else other than illness for the past five days, sadly. Um, but it, it's been nice, you know. I've I've been able to watch TV in a, in a nudie. It's a, a very Jane Austen way of expressing your illness, Red. I have known nothing else. Yeah. Is that what you've mainly been doing? You've just been a. Yeah, just been watching telly and. Uh, lady novelist. Hydrating. And what? Hydrating. Hydrating. Well, that's important. We hope you're hydrating at home. 
if you are hydrating, send us an email, punkrockelitepodcast at gmail.com. So, uh, yeah, so today, uh, self-entitled, we're, uh, we're, we're on the final stretch as far as um, releases go, aren't we? Yeah, I, I think this is uh, an interesting era to start discussing. I think, did you say that this was, that this was the sort of the end of late era? Yeah, I, I consider the uh, the final three studio albums of ne- of No Effects to be kind of like their late period. I think we discuss it a little bit in the episode. I think so. Are you are you calling single and double album one album? Um, no, I was meaning them as separate albums. Oh I no, mean, well, sorry, I'm I'm including West Coast Wessex, but that's right. Yeah, I I don't consider that a full length. No, I suppose not. There's only um, five songs. By no effects, and yeah. five songs performed by no effect. You'll see when we get there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah. So because after this we got first ditch single and double. Oh, I always forget first ditch because spoilers. I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's it's a weird one to pop up, but it it yeah. Anyway, because I I see self entitled single and double as a similar level of quality, and my understanding is quite a lot of other people do as well. I think so, but any time we say anything like that, all we get is people telling us just just how indescribably wrong we've got it. So uh, <laughs> you're in. If if self entitled is your favorite album by No Effects or your favorite album in general, please let us know for God's sake why. But um, oh yeah, because we we always we always do love to uh, love to hear that. It's as. As one can see from uh, any No Effects fan group, it's a broad church. The No Effects fan, absolutely, yeah. So yes. many eras, people who are, you know, eighties No Effects, and then nothing else because they were shit. Nineties because they were shit until the nineties, and then got shit afterwards because hey, hey, actually George Bush was actually pretty bloody good. Actually, <laughs> um, yeah, the people who. The people who listened to No Effects' output pre-war and errorism and said, uh, well, no, I can't hear anything political in any of that, so I'm surprised what they're doing now. You know, well, whatever it is. So <laughs> Interesting. Um, do you have anything fun coming up apart from healing? Um, well, I mean, like, it, I suppose when we're only a few weeks away from actually starting Panto, uh, and that means relocating to Manchester for the month of December. Uh-huh. Um, so we're just kind of like getting a lot of things in order before we go and do that, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, go and, go and see my parents on a weekend before we inevitably disappear for the month of December. Gotcha. Uh, because this is the first year that we're, I'm, I'm not going to be able to see my parents on Christmas Day. Um, just due to travel and complications and stuff. Um, so I'll be seeing them on Christmas Eve this year. Christmas Eve. Well, that's not so bad. That's quite Christmassy, isn't it? It's Christmas Eve. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they'll be coming to see uh, Panto on Christmas Eve. So that'll be nice. Oh, that's good. And then, but you'll be on vocal rest. So the moment you finish, you'll have to just, <laughs> just stand yeah. there with like a, a piece of paper or like a, one of those whiteboard, uh, a dry erase whiteboard, uh, yeah, whiteboard. I'm, I'm learning um, English sign language. 
That's good. Are they? Or is it actually British sign language? It's, it's British. BSL. Yeah. It's, it's bullshit language. Um, <laughs> it's, it's bullshit language. There you go. So if if you're listening to this by uh, having a uh, uh, an audio to text, uh, Red doesn't respect you. There oh, no. I've been ableist, but thankfully I've been ableist on a no effects podcast where ableism yeah. is implied. Yeah, yeah. Where you can where where what you do is you just go, uh, oh, Soz, uh did you forget you were listening to a punk podcast, mate? <laughs> oh no. Oh, sucks to be you. Uh, <laughs> I am, of course, having a brilliant joke there. <laughs> so uh <laughs> What about yourself? What have you been up to? Oh gosh, um, not as much as I would like, but uh, yeah, doing more stuff. Just working on that stupid bloody show that I've told everyone about now. I did the um, uh, Blizzard uh, Avalanche live stream Great. on Monday, which is available to watch video on demand. You can watch. I was team captain. You can go to YouTube if you type in Blizzard Avalanche panel. You'll find all of them. There's all sorts of people. There was uh, uh, Katie Mitchell was on as well. Uh, she was the other team captain. So it was Goth versus Punk in Showdown. Oh, cool! Yeah, so that was—I don't think that was ever said, but I felt like it was. And um, all sorts of uh, cool people. Uh, Johnny Grace Collins was hosting and doing a very nice job of it too. So that's very good. You can go and watch that. I'll put a link to that in the description as well. And uh, our photos are back from our photo shoots. They're on our social media and stuff. Yes, yes. Nellie Taylor. Nellie Naylor. Nellie Naylor. I'm, I, do you know what? I got it confused with Ellie Taylor, the comedian and presenter, yes. because they rhyme. But Nellie Naylor is the photographer. <laughs> um, and uh, very good she was as well. So, yeah, you'll see pictures of, uh, of myself and Red and... Uh, uh, Katie as well, your your partner. So, mm-hmm. um, who is also, funnily enough, called Katie Mitchell. Oh really? Oh <laughs> yeah. wow. Okay, I, I didn't. She has the same name as a Nottingham-based comedian that we both know. Yes. Who, um, who will also be appearing at Manchester Punk Festival? Um, oh. And I've always enjoyed it when Katie comes to play Punk Festival because she gets to meet the other Katie Mitchell. <laughs> And uh, and that's what every time that happens, um, the the walls between dimensions become thinner. Yes, and the schism, as the schism approaches, it's actually why multiverses are in all forms of media at the moment. Yep. Do you remember when it used to be zombies? Yeah, because I was watching a TV show the other day, and then you're watching it, and there's and there's you know some sort of like sci-fi element going on. And then you get to like episode four and you're like, oh, it's multiverse. But do you remember when that used to happen with zombies? Like yeah. they'd, be, they'd be like a subtle zombie show where on like the fourth episode, you'd be like, oh, this is about zombies. Like uh, The Revenant, which was like a French show. I didn't realize there were zombies until like the sixth episode, but maybe I'm just slow. I don't know. Um, like zombies. No, they, well, not all of them. Yes, 28 days later, they ran. And because they ran, that I watched that movie when I was like 10 or something, and it gave me nightmares for like nine months because they could run the 28 yeah. days later zombies there's no stopping them no you've got yeah with the with your trad zombie mm-hmm. you've got this sort of relentless shuffling they they don't stop 
but they don't go very fast. Yeah. So you're always sort of, do I have time to sit down here and do a thing? Do I have time to sort a thing out? <laughs> um, you know, oh, but if we sleep here for an hour, then those shufflers will be like closer, but not, you know, and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. with this one, it's just um, that as soon as they see you, you are dead, like a horror survival video game. Yeah, they're going to run at you and eat your face and then projectile vomit blood into your eyes. Oh, yeah, yeah, there was, oh, yeah, there was that, that was how the dad got got, wasn't it? Spoilers. Yeah. Got some blood in his eye. So, uh, oh, yeah, and then, um, and then, uh, I I still find in all of those things, the worst thing is when someone pulls out their own um, uh, hospital apparatus, their own drip and stuff. I'm like, that makes me more upset than anything. (laughs) people being eaten children being you know just swallowed whole by zombies i'm like oh that's unpleasant like oh they pulled out their own drip oh i'm gonna (laughs) die of horrible i'm just built different i guess so um not but definitely not better but different um but yeah i also uh enjoyed uh but it was really uh really sort of realistic in the sense that he wakes up super thirsty drinks a can of pepsi out of the machine mm-hmm. and then a bit later he has a massive sugar crash and they're like what's going on he's like are oh, you having a sugar crash because you've not had any vitamins eat this tin of peaches <laughs> and it's, it's like oh okay wow some someone's broken down the dietary requirements of the uh of the post zombie apocalypse it, it's like the matrix isn't it because when neo gets out the matrix it's like oh my eyes hurt why do my eyes hurt it's like because you've never opened them before uh that's why i mean it it is um because that is cited or referenced in plato's analogy of the the cave oh which is what the matrix is loosely based upon it's sort of like if you did were to go outside if you were to leave the cave having spent your entire existence in the cave Hmm. you would struggle to move because you hadn't used your muscles correctly and you would struggle to see because you hadn't opened your eyes it's about that and estro maxing (laughs) <laughs> which is what i think it's called <laughs> so is what is yeah. that taking estrogen well yeah it's a trans allegory isn't it? oh of course yes Ob- obviously that's only one direction of transition but um yeah I-, I re-watched the matrix recently and i do still think it it works as a uh a trans allegory definitely i haven't seen it since i've not sat down and watched the matrix since i watched a very fuzzy version on channel five in a hotel a really cheap hotel in king's cross when i was doing um uh my work experience uh at university i was working for an independent record company for uh a month and i'd go down like three days a week and i stayed in this dreadful hotel right opposite king's cross station but it was like 20 pounds a night (laughs) um including a bowl of cornflakes it was but but there was literally nothing to do and i couldn't afford to do anything because you know that london in it so Mm i uh i just sort of be in this hotel room this is before smartphones and shit so this crappy tally box and um, and it was barely tuned in, but I was just watching this really fuzzy version of Matrix. Going, I don't know what everyone thought, but I'm about fine. I'd seen it before, but 
<laughs> but then, uh, and then people started telling me about the sequels, and I went, "Yeah, well, I won't bother. Thanks." So I should watch it again. Really, I do remember thinking it was good. Speaking of other things that we think are good, um, tune in next week. But until then, <laughs> until then, we're going to jump over into the main body, which is about self-entitled by No Effects. See you on the outro. Bye. See, the thing is, right, is mm-hmm. bands should basically just do what I want them to do because I'm a fan and they owe me. Oh, okay, sure. Do you but know what I mean? Aren't you a fan of No Effects? Well, yeah. Yeah, obviously, but I want them to do precisely what I want them to. Oh, okay, sure, sure, sure. You know sure. what I mean? Because, I mean, I have literally bought more than one of their albums, so why they're not treating me like some kind of lord mm. is beyond me. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I, I do understand. I mean, I do think you're being a little, like, selfish, if that's the word. <sighs> It sounds right, but I don't think it is. No, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that <laughs> necessarily. But I just think that if I got my way at all times, everyone would be happier. And if that makes me self entitled, then so be it. <laughs> Lovely. Stretch that one out for a lot longer than usual. Yeah, <laughs> a lot. Of- a lot of people are going to be going, oh, they do this sometimes. I, I wish they wouldn't. And now it just <laughs> looks like the opposite is happening. It's happening more. Hello, everyone. We're here to talk about self-entitled. We are. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> really? Was it tough for you? Um, hey, well, I mean, this is my first time listening to it. This is one of the few NoFX albums that I don't really have much previous with. All right, so this is the twelfth album mm-hmm. that they released. The first, uh, the twelfth studio album, uh, released on September the eleventh. Oh, that's why that date seems familiar. Uh, Twenty twelve. Yeah, like only a, a year after Coaster. This is like recorded relatively close to it, really. Yes, um, it was. Yes, because uh, it was on recorded um, April, the end of April. Uh, 2012 and released September the 11th, 2012. Um, I mean, not that close to Coaster because Coaster was released 2009. Oh, I thought it was 2011. No, 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 no. The only thing they released in 2011 was their uh, hardcore covers album. Ah, uh, yeah, you are, you are very, very correct. However. That makes sense, actually, because I was going to say this doesn't sound like Coaster. No, this, no. The well, they they released three things in between. They released the Koki thing, which was actually Coaster sort of uh, Coaster era stuff. Yeah, like Coaster sessions. Yeah, they? Coaster sessions. Um, then uh, the uh, split with the Spits, which was two songs. One of which was one of their really early songs redone and then their hardcore album or, or EP. And uh, yeah, so it's, um, you know, there's uh, it, there's a different approach. It's not quite so irreverent as Coaster, I don't think. Mm, yeah. Coaster's got a lot of your, um, it's got your Tegan and Sarah. It's got 
Eddie, Paul and Bruce. It's got other songs with names in, maybe. But, um, <laughs> you know, they're, they're just doing a song about Iron Maiden for for the fun. Why not? I mean, Coaster you know? is a fun album. Yeah. Um, I, I think people forget that it's quite it's quite silly. Yes. Um, it is, yeah. It is. It's more lighthearted. There's not as much. It does have my orphan year on it. I'm not going to forget. Very that. true. Yeah, very true. But broadly speaking, it it seems that they sort of have. If the pendulum swings one way, it swings back the other way further. So you have a song about Iron Maiden, which is um, a sort of a, a homoerotic soap opera. And you have sure. the death of Mike's parents sitting quite <laughs> close to one another on an album. You know what I mean? They're sort of going, well, we're having this, but we're having this as well. Self-entitled seems to be a bit more focused. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? I think that's... I mean, I would say they've lost their focus on this album. Oh, really? But, uh... Oh, wow. Um, I was... It... Lo- uh, this might be my least favourite album that we've done really? so far okay so we're hot taking it not even five minutes into the discussion <laughs> no sorry. no that's fine that's good no and, don't. and also what's quite intriguing to me is like this has been produced by the same guy that did wolves in wolves clothing and coaster but it sounds completely different to to those two albums i don't know if if the other ones were recorded because this was recorded at bill stevenson's recording studio which is the blasting room in right. colorado I think the others might have been done at Motor City, um, yeah. or, uh, or Motor Studio. Sorry, Motor City, Motor Studios. Um, I'm just going to. Yes, it was rec- so. Coaster was recorded in San Francisco at Mike's studio, or a studio he had some sort of interest in, uh, with Bill Stevens. And this one, they went to Colorado. So the sound of it might be different because they were using the the blasting rooms live room and equipment that Bill Stevenson was probably a lot more um, familiar with, if you if you take my meaning. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I I remember this one coming out. This is another one that I got pretty much on. That I think I was buying everything. I think I was buying music digitally by this point. So I was. Um, I don't know if I got this on iTunes or if I... I probably bought it. Fat Records were really good um, for being able to just buy the MP3 album from, directly from their website for like $8 or something. Yeah. Which is sort of like the model Bandcamp have now. Um, and so I I think that's how I got this album. I, I remember once buying over £150 worth of music direct from the Fat Rec website. Nice. via a digital download and my bank uh, flagged it as a suspicious purchase <laughs> it's like your bank don't know you at all right if it was they, like yeah. they've done that, that yeah go on. and the taylor swift tickets i mean my bank just doesn't know who i am really doesn't know who you are <laughs> wow i mean oh when banks and obviously you know find me a bank that isn't a prick and i'll be surprised but you know banks give it all the uh we get to know you so we understand you better it's like, <laughs> motherfucker you've not been paying attention have you not even the half of it mate so <laughs> well so my initial response to this album was uh that i i really did like it 
Um, I actually I liked about half of it. I think it starts off pretty strong, and that, then that's so strange. Dips out. <laughs> I feel like we've listened to different albums, but I think that's going to make today's episode really interesting. I think it will be more interesting than <laughs> the most of the times so when we go. We sit down and go. So, did you like Punk and Droblek? Yeah, I did. Yeah, same. <laughs> This, you know, I'm sure there's a, a beautiful contrarian out there who goes. Actually, I think you'll find that Punk and Drublick is the weakest of the NoFX albums. <laughs> and and if you are that, then we believe you that you're very interesting. Don't at us. So, <laughs> but yeah. So uh, so they did. Um, so they did this. Um, that this was uh, Mike was working on this at the same time he was working on the uh, soundtrack to Robert Bordello, the uh, fetish film that he made with his then wife Soma Snake Oil. So did that that was released then? The I don't know if the soundtrack was released specifically, but certainly mm. the film was. I think it won a, a, a I don't know what the online porn awards are called. The Woodies. The Woodies, the fuckies. It won a fucky. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it did, uh, but it did. It it did win. I think it. Did, it was certainly nominated for quite a few, and I think it did win an award. But um, it was also sort of like a Keystone Cops meets fetish film, mm-hmm. which is uh, very very funny. So, um, yeah, it's. Uh, oh, there was a there was a, a single. Or a seven-inch, uh, a non-album track called "My Stepdad's a Cop and My Stepmum's a Dom." I've heard that song. Where would I have heard that? Pardon me. It was just released uh, as it was digital as well, so they might huh. have. Oh, do you I'm, know re- what? I'm really familiar with that song, and I don't know why. It may well have been it. on that uh, on that clip drive I gave you. Yeah, maybe. Because it's been loose in my No Effects album, uh, you know, folder on uh, on whatever computer I've had over the years since then. So it may well have uh, just popped in there. And um, yeah, stepdad's a cop, stepmom's a dom. It's fine. Yeah, it is fine. It's a bit wordy. Like he's not managed to pare the words down to get them to be sort of catchy enough, but it's fine. Yeah. It's uh, the it's idea. It's a B that, side. Oh yeah, yeah. As, as a B side go, it's fine. Um, and everything else that was released as promo was on the album, so we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, yeah, it it seemed to get fairly average reviews. Mm. Nothing, I... uh, nothing exceptional. But um, what is it? What is it, Red? Let's let's go holistic, and then we'll go. No, because no, I'm keen. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not. Uh, it's it's fine not to like an album because I don't like all of this album. But uh, what is it that? What was your sort of initial response to this record? I think that there are no great songs on this album. I do think there are good songs. I don't think it's all shit. Mm-hmm. I just don't think there is any real standout song on here maybe ronnie and mags are quite like ronnie and mags um but for me i think it's the, the thing that when i started listening to it i was like wait what the fuck is this guitar sound because <laughs> i don't think they've sounded like this on album previous to this point and it sounds 
a little generic. It, 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 I've always thought NoFX, even though they change their sound album to album, there's still something that's a little bit edgy and, and rough to it that mm-hmm. um, makes it sound like NoFX. And here, I feel like the guitars in particular sound like any other band. And I think that they... The, the, there are tracks on here that almost drift into like emo right. like not 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 the vocals the right. vocals all sound like fat mike but like the general arrangement of the instruments sounds uh less unique than how they they usually sound on record um i don't know does does that make any sense it's i think you can spot this a track from this album you could spot it against played when sort of played in like a a mix or something in like a Mm -hmm. playlist yeah but i think that's true of a lot of no effects albums they sort of Generally speaking, each album has a vibe. Maybe, yeah, true. Um, <clears throat> maybe White Trash is the least of that, because White Trash is kind of all over the place. Yeah, but in a good, but but in a, a sort of in a good way, in its own way, it's sort of consistent in its inconsistency. Fuck, I sound like a real critic. Um, <laughs> but it, you know, this one. I mean, it's. Um, it's half an hour long, mm-hmm. which um, which I like. Um, I also I've only just spotted this. It wasn't really where I was going, but uh, Spike from Me First and the Gimme Gimme, Spike Slawson, is uh, credited with some backing vocals, <laughs> some um, an amount of backing vocals. That's good. Um, yeah, uh, and someone called Mike Powell plays keyboards. Um, there's a little bit of keyboard on here, here and about. I don't know why. I, I sort of, I, th- I think this album starts out great. I really like 72 Hookers. Um, I like the, it builds, and it is by far the longest song. I think that 72 Hookers is just sort of, it's almost like a bad cover version of Blasphemy, which I think <laughs> is a great song. And I feel like 72 Hookers isn't quite as clever as they think it is. And I feel like I feel like 72 Hookers is 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 people who don't like no effects. I think 72 Hookers is the is the view that they have. Like they're like, oh, no effects make silly jokes about um you know Sex the Muslim religions being a bit silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think that that's quite a a simple view of what their music and humour is. I, I think I they've done more I, complicated, interesting things with this subject in the past. They have, and I agree. I I do think it's not quite as clever as they think it is, mm. but I do think it is still quite clever. Okay. I think there is uh I think there is more to it than meets the ear initially, but not quite as much as they might think there is to uncover, if you like. I think um I think a, a decision was made to go 
more provocative than that they're not going out of their way to explain themselves fully even though i think their intention and what they're actually saying does make that there that carries with it a lot the the uh, the repression of sexuality um and extremist tendencies are connected mm-hmm. certainly then that's not as simplistic as it's made out but keep in mind that they're not writing a phd they're writing a three and a half minute song <laughs> with with yeah. uh, with about a minute of intro as well it's like it's um it, it does but and that's one the thing that captured me first because i was initially because this is what 2012 so this is like 10 years ago i was listening to this and i was like wow this it builds really really nicely um it keeps on going and going and going and then and then the song starts and i remember being quite turned off it by the by what i thought was quite sort of you know that sort of thing of around this time maybe not even this time because we're sort of 10 years into the war on terror here yeah so um but around sort of post 9-11 i don't know if you remember there are a lot of people who are making a very simplistic joke about the idea that um well may or, or like whenever um something like uh charlie Hebdo and that kind of thing happens, yeah, yeah 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 people would be like Oh well, maybe if they had a drink, they could take a joke, and that was like a really, really common, like bloke in the pub response. Yeah. And there's a reason he's only ever in the pub. Um, his family hate him, <laughs> but you know, um, there's that kind of thing. And this had the vibe of that, but I think it is actually. It's saying something pretty true in a very, very blunt way. And I think we're sort of going back to that, what we were talking about, I suppose, with uh, with Frank Turner, when he was saying the idea of, you know, punk and kindness have become a bit too closely associated over the years, and there still needs to be some kind of abrasiveness and you know possibly even a discomfort within punk to keep it that way and so i suppose that's where i see this song yeah Do you know? i think i think Does, you know I explain uh, that at all well i can't no absolutely <laughs> and, and i think that's kind of like where i don't like it because i i i, mm. I do think this is a this song is about 10 years late I feel like if you did this right after 9-11, I think it'd have a bit of a, a punch and point to it. That is incredibly true. Um, yes, it is. If yeah, if this was released in 2002 instead of 2012, yeah, when you've had like six months to, or like a year to... Oh, if this was on War on Errorism, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bat an eyelid. I'd be like, oh yeah, cool. Yeah, I think... Um, I mean, I don't think it's a response to 9-11 so much, but things like mm. Charlie Hebdo and stuff like that had been sort of happening since then as well. So yeah, it was true. probably those kind of things. In fact, it wouldn't have been too long. Or Anyway, but, you know, there, there, there were stuff like that. Things like, you know, the uh, depicting images of the prophets and stuff like that. Yeah, and Bataclan uh, and all of that. Yeah, absolutely. All of these kind of things. So it wasn't about the big events. It was about you know 
things that had come after that. But um, but I like I I really like the guitars on it. Um, I like the the uh, the, the build up and stuff. And um, I suppose as far as um, notable opening songs, you know what it is when it starts. It's got its own little stamp. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I can't quite put my finger on what I um, because I don't. I, I'm you know like I'm not a, a professional sound tech or anything. I don't know exactly what I think makes guitar sound good or guitar sound bad. Yeah. Um, you know, like uh, when I used to play guitar and and all of that, which I suppose I occasionally still do. Um, one of the problems that I would have is like because I don't know like sound engineering and all of that. Like I don't really know how to make my distortion sound great and i feel like listening to this opening track i'm like oh that's what my guitar sounded like when i didn't want it to sound like that (laughs) i'm like oh this sounds boring how do i make sound cool please (laughs) yes it's um it's it's a choice it's a decision and i think doing a little bit of armchair thinking here um i think because this has come off the back of their hardcore cover thing, mm-hmm. the spits, the spits even get name checked on this album. Yes, they do. Yeah, um, and and all the rest of it. I think they're looking back a little bit. They're recording with Bill Stevenson from The Descendants. At least one of them, and I think we know which one it is, is looking backwards a little bit. And this is still in the. There's a song about Ronald Reagan on this album. There is, yeah. You know what I mean? It, like this is a kind of a. It's not it regressive. Really... It's not a regressive album, but it, it, there, there's bits of Mike that are always looking backwards. It's like a a, a timeless album, but in a bad way. <laughs> in the, <laughs> it doesn't feel like it lives in an era. It's like just kind of all over the place. Like if you told me this was like a collection of songs that they just recorded in the last 10 years. I, I, I believe you. That, that There doesn't seem to be much of a thread between this album, where there have been in previous albums, particularly like this following Coaster, which I think is one of the most together albums. Like, I don't know, just every song sits very nicely next to each other. Well, things like Wolves and mm. Errorism, they're obviously sort of inspired by the times that they were recorded in yeah i mean even then errorism still has she's nubs on it which could have appeared on white trash yeah absolutely you know just because if they'd met if they'd met tally osborne in 1991 all things being equal but just a different time then she's nubs may well have appeared or some song like that may well have appeared on white trash or it could have been on the longest line or whatever and so there are these sort of songs that are sort of responsible. I mean, th- later on, you get to sort of more stuff about Mike's life. I mean, I Believe in Goddess is sort of one of the first. We'll jump onto that one. Um, I like it. It's got that sort of busy, hardcore riff. It's one of the better songs, I think. It's nice and short. And um, it's about and it's he's sort of being more open about the bdsm stuff mm-hmm. um kind of have to if you marry a dominatrix you can't really be seem to be shy about that kind of thing not that he's been shy but <laughs> so we've got uh that kind of thing 
not really much to say about it. It's uh, it's fine. It's sort of. Um... Do, do you think? Um, probably more so seventy-two hookers than I believe in Goddess, but um, I think on this album they are, you know, lyrics and vocals aside, because I do think that sounds like Fat Mike. Mm-hmm. I think that musically they sound a lot like other bands, particularly like other fat bands. And for me, seventy-two hookers sonically sounds like Lagwagon. Um, and I, and there's another song that we'll get to that I think is, but it feels like a bad cover version of another band. But um, oh yeah, no, there's um, is it track number five? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's going on there, <laughs> lads? <laughs> yeah um <laughs> we'll get to it we'll get to it we'll get to it but yeah uh i was just thinking I, I i've got i've got half an idea of which one red's on about oh no i have the full idea um yeah it's um i think there's uh i believe in goddess is one of those songs where mike tries very very hard to fit all of the words into the melody he's provided himself yeah which I don't mind because it sounds like a slow hardcore song. <laughs> sure. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? You know, that's the hardcore approach of just fitting it all in before you have to pause or <gasps> in a breath. <laughs> but uh, uh, it's, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's a lot of things of, um, I, uh, I like this, but I don't like that. I don't like this, but I do like that. And they're sort of, do you know what it is? It's awful because it reminds me of uh, Mistletoe and Wine by uh, Cliff Richard. Interesting. Cliff Richard has got one of the smuggest <laughs> sets of lyrics in the world in that, where he sings, time for giving, time for getting, time for forgiving, time for forgetting. <laughs> and I reckon <laughs> if that song didn't exist... And Mike wrote a, vo- uh, 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 a couplet like that. He'd be like, oh, yeah, lock me in a briefcase because I deserve a treat. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, obviously, Cliff Richard sings it in a very smug way, suggesting he's hiding something, but we'll never find out what. When are they going to do a split with Cliff Richard? <laughs> uh, I want to hear them do Wired for Sound. <laughs> yeah, I want to... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I want to hear uh, Cliff Richard singing Bob. Be the best song he could do. <laughs> tell you what, if you know, answers on a postcard, uh, punkrockelitepodcast.gmail.com, which no effects song should Cliff Richard cover? And we will make it happen. If this gets 10,000 likes, we will make it happen. <laughs> I genuinely want to know that if, if people have any suggestions. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If you're not familiar with Cliff Richard, um, he was uh, uh, an he is an English pop star who was in the running when he first started making records in the fifties. People called him uh, Britain's answer to, to Elvis, <laughs> and then uh, he kind of scuppered that by becoming a born again Christian in 1960. So. Uh, kind of meant that he wasn't that much fun anymore but old women fucking love him Mm -hmm. which is unfortunate because if the rumors are true he quite likes young boys yeah if the rumors are true (laughs) absolutely allegedly yeah an alleged nonce he uh he copped off with una stubbs when they were doing um summer holiday 
Well, yeah, he's got game. Was, yeah, she was a catch. Anyway, I met her in Edinburgh once, but and he was he was in a relationship with Sue Barker as well, the tennis player and TV oh, host. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, all female tennis players are famously fond of men. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking about that one famous one. It's fine. Um, but yes, so that's uh, that's all that. Anyway, yeah, I believe in goddess. It's fine. Um, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. But then we come to a highlight for you, certainly, Ronnie and Max. Yeah, I think it's the best song on the album. Um, I It reminds me a lot of Sid and Nancy off of uh, First Ditch Effort. Yes. Yep, absolutely. They're like they're they're like a pair of songs, but uh, mm-hmm. it seems I don't I don't know if Mike feels like he didn't because what I, what No Effects released by nineteen eighty eight, I think that was when Reagan got out because Reagan was in what eighty to eighty eight, I think. Um, yeah, and then it was uh, Bush Senior for a term, and then Clinton. Anyway. Um, but yeah, it's essentially a uh, a list of things that we already knew about um, Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher. And I actually have a Ronnie and Mags Noah Fax uh, t-shirt. You do? Um, it's got uh, a caricature of Ronald Reagan having sex with Margaret Thatcher on the front and mm. I wore it to the Noah Fax gig. I might have thrown that away, actually, because it I... was discoloured and old. You did say that you were <laughs> giving it a Viking funeral by wearing it to the last lead show. And then yeah. I think you, in fact, had promised your partner that you were going to remove it from your life. Yeah, I just I don't think that she appreciates I have a, a, a T-shirt with Margaret Thatcher's arse on it. <laughs> and and it, well, it, 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 that is on there. <laughs> yeah, an arse playing the role of Margaret Thatcher's arse. <laughs> yes. Yeah, maybe. I mean... so. It's weird, isn't it? Because uh, there are some people who really, really hate certain people, and they and they have T-shirts of those people. They don't say nice things on them, but they are still wearing. It's um, yeah, it's funny how it goes, I guess. Um, if you it's... are a, an original seventy-seven punk, please tell us how wearing a swastika is actually cool. Please, punk rock elite podcast at gmail dot com. We'll I once listen. saw someone with a U two T-shirt, but they'd uh, they'd customized it so it said like. The, the, it was an official U2 t-shirt. It said U2 on the front, but they'd written beneath it, ah, shit. <laughs> I, think, I think that's genius. That was uh, Johnny Rotten had that. He had uh, he oh, okay. b- borrowed a Pink Floyd t-shirt off someone and wrote, I hate above it. <laughs> so, uh, Brilliant. There's some some uh, fine uh, fine pedigree in that behaviour. Uh, John Johnny Rotten is playing Leadmill next oh, right. week, I think, as a part of uh, Public Image Limited. Uh, oh, right, of course. Coming to town. Uh, if you look at Public Image Limited's current tour, they are doing some of the strangest collections of cities and venues I've ever seen on a nation tour. Like, they're going to, like, Torquay and... <laughs> Um, oh, I do like to be beside the seaside. There was one city on there which I'd literally never heard of. I think they're playing somewhere called Buckley. Buckley? Yeah. No idea. That sounds like several towns got together and became a new one. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean, presumably, 
they've got to find a tour that makes sense for them. Yeah, I don't know uh, what I haven't got a clue. They're looking for, but um, no. lovely to be included. Attention, um, tickets on sale now. Like any other musical group. Well, uh, yes, it's it's weird. I mean, I think in in a way, if people are looking to avoid the more ticket mastery connected venues, you probably do have to go a bit further afield and out of the ordinary. Maybe is that potential. Maybe I, I, th- I think there's still quite a lot of options if that's a, a deal breaker for you. Maybe, um, I but know. yeah, I, I, I don't know. And I asked our live department, and they didn't seem to know either. <laughs> the way you, the way I, you were I, saying that sounded like they didn't seem to care. I think it's to do with they've done another tour recently, and they want to go to different cities than right, they went to right. previously, but within the same catchment area. So they've chosen that odd locations. Mate. That makes a lot of sense, actually, yeah. Because um, what is the number one uh, way you can support a band? That is by responding to their social media threads about their tour by saying, why aren't you playing in my living room? <laughs> speaking, of, <laughs> speaking of self-entitled, if you've ever done that, fucking behave yourself. What is it with it. people who, where they're like... They'll they'll announce a date in Leeds. They'll be like, "Oh, what? No Sheffield date." It's like you, there are trains. There are yeah. trains exist. Not, not always. <laughs> oh yeah, no fair. But you, <laughs> but you yeah. can travel. Like yeah. traveling is is possible if if yeah. you really Look, love this band and you want to see them enough. You can travel an hour to another city. Yeah, even if right, even if the trains are down, National Express. Yeah, was it going to be four quid? And if you, know you absolutely I mean? love them, they're probably worth a hotel. I, I don't know. And then, and then, you know, if they go, why no Sheffield? All right, we're playing Sheffield. I meant North Sheffield, not South Sheffield. <laughs> it's like, for fuck's sake. Sheffield doesn't... <laughs> is Sheffield big enough to have a North and a South grow up? It's, they, you know... they also, like, these bands do, like, their, their management will do calculations of how many tickets they can sell and yeah. where they will sell them. Like, it's just a calculated effort for them to... Make a decent slice from not doing uh, a horrendous amount of shows. Like I, yeah. I don't think many people take the piss. No, it's it, it's it's baffling. But then there are you know just just get used to the idea that there are some venues like uh, the Parish in Huddersfield, right? Mm-hmm. You have a look at what they've got on. They've got tons of proper cool shit going yeah, on. Absolutely. So if they're not coming to Sheffield. Huddersfield's not that far away. No, absolutely. Don- Doncaster, Leeds. Yeah. I mean, even Hull isn't miles away. York, I don't know. Like, there's there's loads of places. And then, uh, you know, would you actually go? If <laughs> if, if they did a date there, would you actually? Or, or do you just feel like, oh, I'm glad they're thinking of me, but, you know, I'm, I'm just sitting at home watching telly that night. Thanks. And that's not even a good excuse. You can watch telly whenever you want these days. Doesn't matter. Self-entitled. Hello, everyone. Eddie here. Red and I hope you're enjoying our show. If you have been and would like to help us make it a little more easily, then you can donate to us at our coffee page, which is ko-fi.com forward slash punk rock elite. Or you can look in the show notes for our link tree. If you can't help us financially, we totally understand, but would love it if you spread the word to other people who would like this podcast. We thank you for your continued support. We massively appreciate it. Back to the show. Ronnie and Max. Good fun. Yeah. I like it. 
Really good. Uh, number four. This is my favourite song on the album. Really? Yeah, I love She Didn't Lose Her Baby. I do think it's good. It sounds a little bit derivative of something else they've written, but I can't think of She's what. She's gone from uh, White Trash. I consider yeah. them uh, partner songs. I absolutely love this song. There's also, it, it feels a little bit in the ballpark of the irrationality of rationality. It's in the lyrically it's like social. Got, yeah. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think the lyrics are very, very stark and uh, effective. Um, the guitar solo is brilliant. Um, mm, yeah, no, it, that is good. Super fast. I. Um, Minor key no effects is one of my favourites. No effects yes, and I think there's a a fair bit of minor key no effects on this album. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they've entered they've entered a more minor key because so for a lot of it they're sort of power chords where they're not really major or minor. It's just how yeah. it is. But this, um, I yeah, I really really like this one, um, and uh, yeah, for me. I don't know why I do this, but for me, this is a. I'm not even looking at the skip button until number five is finished. Oh, finished? So yeah, so we're still well within. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, and I still like it, but I know I'm not. No, I think I've I'm got I've got ears. I know. Sorry, say again. I think I agree with you. Actually, I, I know um, <laughs> that it's a bit derivative, but it it you know I, I wouldn't skip it. No, um, so. Yeah, she didn't lose her baby. I think is is a heartbreaking song, and I think Mike sounds genuinely emotional on it. I think there's a, a genuine feeling in the album. I think the whole thing is just, and it's super fast. I think the guitar tone actually really suits this song. Mm, yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think it suits it more than the rest of the album. Than a lot of the album, certainly. Um, I think. Like you couldn't play this song with slap fats guitar tones. Yeah, I don't. Absolutely. I don't think that would work at all. So it needs, it, it needs that kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, yeah, really, really love. She didn't lose her baby. Um, even Mike's vocals sound, and I don't want to make this sound like they sound shit because they don't. But they sound like they do on much earlier records. Yeah. He's got more of a white trash tone to his voice. He might be singing right at the top end of his comfortable register. It does feel like he's struggling in parts, but not, not too noticeable. Well, strug- struggling, but in a very musical way. Yeah. Like, testing himself, pushing himself, rather than just doing what he's not able to do. Because uh, we've heard him singing like that on like the first couple of no effects albums where he's really just blown out his voice this isn't that this is something else but yeah i've got a lot of time for this and it would probably turn up on any no effects mix i did because i really do like it oh that's interesting yeah i really do like it because um, I, I think that's what stops me from loving this album is like there's just nothing on here that i think i would add to a greatest hits hmm Fair enough. I get it. It's not... Yeah. I mean, well, we're coming to the end of uh, what I call vintage self-entitled. 
uh, with a, a song, um, Secret Society. Now, do you want to reveal which band you think this is derivative of? Oh, it's just Pennywise, isn't it? Oh, really? Because uh, I've gone, uh, I've gone one step further. I, I, I thought Bad Religion. Sure. Which, it, um, which, which is not too far away from being derivative of. It, it's um, uh, a particular Pennywise song as well. I think is it. Um, uh, what is it? The mel- the the verse melody is very Pennywise. La da 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 da, sort of, kind of chanty, and then melody in the chorus. It's um, oh, I want to say um, do 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 for the names of the common man. I think it's on reason to believe. Is it one reason? It's either one reason or it's something on. Is it out of time? Um. Anyway, it's uh. It. I don't know. It just sounds like a Pennywise riff to me. It's up to me. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I just did a very quick Google Pennywise common man lyrics. Doesn't matter. If you know which song Red was referring to, Punk Rock Elite Podcast at Gmail dot com. Red's still doing some sleuthing as we talk. It, uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Hey, look, all Pennywise songs sound the same. And I don't mean that as a dig. I quite like them, but that is true. Um, it's nice to have consistency sometimes because we've been listening. I don't know if you picked up on this to no effects. So uh, <laughs> consistency sounds like a, a real comfort at times. And I think what makes me go like, oh, this is just a Pennywise song as well, is it's called Secret Society and obviously... A very famous Pennywise song is called Society. Like, I feel yes. like they're not even trying to hide it. <laughs> if they just called it Secret, then no one would have noticed. I think uh, I think it's the harmonies in the chorus that make it bad religion for me. Yeah, that's fair. And I, I actually think um, quite a lot. Uh, I think I think She Didn't Lose Her Baby isn't miles away from bad religion as well. Um, there's, but, but you the know, chorus, this is, yeah, I think, yeah. This is why, like, you know, um, I want a split between them and Bad Religion or them and Pennywise. And I know they've said, oh, we're too sonically similar to them. And I'm like, yeah, but only on some songs. Don't, <laughs> don't do those ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do, tell you what, do, do different ones. I mean, I can't fathom how much and how little I want to hear Pennywise attempting all out of angst or one of their other. Right. I was going to say, they have to do the scar ones, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that sounds like Pennywise would be four people very much out of their depth. (laughs) And maybe it would be wonderful. Maybe it would be the, the missing piece and they'd just go, we finally cracked it lads. Pennywise now more than ever. I don't know. I mean, rancid singing don't call me white wasn't great but i'm glad i heard it (laughs) sure 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 i mean that that's the one that people have the strongest feelings about i think (laughs) um but yeah so yeah but but that all being said i like secret society i think it's got i think it's catchy i think it's uh i mean the fact that they've used the word hierarchy in a song does make it sound like a bad religion song yeah, that's there are true. certain lyrical choices, um, but yeah. So, uh, so yeah, good, good. Um, and then we get to uh, I Fatty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
it whips along pretty fast and um and it's a uh it's sort of kind of abstract but it's clearly about some an um, a reasonably traumatic period or instance in his life um and yeah sure <laughs> like it's like the catchy with the fadu fadu like it's it's catchy enough but again it whips past that like a minute and a half so can't be angry with that can you I don't think this this album has many like like hooks I guess I mean it's not without hooks um but like a lot of these songs occurs right at the beginning <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah mm-hmm. um but it a lot of these songs, like, it just feels like an album full of album tracks. Like, I just don't, I can't see the singles here. No, I, I do agree. There's not one sort of real standout. Because even, like, even She Didn't Lose Her Baby, like I said, which I love, you're not releasing that as a single, are you? No. Well, I think they did, didn't they? It was on, it, uh, it was on a single, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you're right, yeah. It was recorded prior to the album and featured the non-album title track and different recording of she Oh yeah, her baby. Oh, okay. So it was on, it was a B side. It was a B side. It was. Uh, uh, I think it had a different solo. Sure. There was. She didn't lose her baby, and then there was a, a different guitar solo on the seven-inch Stepdad's a Cop one. Sure. Which they do occasionally, like if they release a um, a vinyl. They'll often have a, a a variation of of the music. They'll put a different thing on it, you know, just for for fun, which uh, which I do like. Yeah, so I fatty, yeah, fine. Uh, sellout, I quite like. I thought that was all right. I think that this is another one of the strongest tracks on this album. Got that um, cool little keyboard thing that will come back. It it's, feels a bit first, first ditch effort. Yes, it does. I mean, I think the best songs off of here feel like they would be very comfortable on first ditch effort i think yep. ronnie and mags and sellout um even she didn't lose her baby i think would would fit very nicely on first ditch effort I, it feels like a warm-up to yes. first ditch because yes. i remember spoilers i remember hearing first ditch effort and going oh no effects have come back yeah absolutely really We'll get to that later, but anyway, mm-hmm. yes. So, the, but sellout, it's got that keyboard thing. Um, yeah, which... that that like a almost like a video gamey. Um, yeah, like an eight bit almost thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that. Yeah, it's and it fits so nicely, and actually, it fits really nicely with the guitar tone that they've got. Again, yeah. I can't see that working with a slap fat sound or, yeah, or uh, a punk and droblick sound. So. Um, method to the madness, I suppose, and and that's the only song on here that's been written by Fat Mike and Eric Melvin. Oh yes, and I don't know wh- which aspects of which they wrote, but um... I imagine that song has started with the guitar line. It feels like a song oh. has, that has come out of the riff. Fair, yep. That's that. That sounds very likely to me. Um, yeah, and it's about. Uh, about being old and uh, young people um, not appreciating. <laughs> it's quite funny, like, really. It is quite funny, yeah. I sort of, 
it's uh yeah i quite i quite like the uh the lyrical content and stuff um uh yeah she said she really liked my band in the early 90s yeah um <laughs> and she called me a poser punk <laughs> i play a korean guitar but i'm a sellout it's um yeah it's one of those um ones where mike's just sort of acknowledging that he gets a lot of flack from the punk community yeah i mean he front loads his album with 72 hookers and then goes i can't believe people are saying (laughs) (laughs) do you um do you know uh like when was the time that you know no effects kind of got a little bit cancelled and struggled to start struggled to book uh mainland america shows when when was that roughly um It was um, 2018. Oh, really? Six years after this. It was the it was the the Las Vegas. There was a, a mass shooting in Las Vegas. Some guy, um, as I recall, was on like a balcony in a hotel. He had like dozens of guns, and he just well, started taking shots at people down. Uh, my understanding is it's um, it's the concert. biggest spree killing in american history because yeah. it happened only a few months after the pulse nightclub shooting which was yes it was at yeah. the time the, the the biggest spree shooting in america and then it got outdone um because you know those americans love to smash those records yeah yeah i think that's what some people think american exceptionalism means but um <laughs> yeah wretched uh wretched business all around and um after that, the uh, Eric Melvin said um, when they were there, they he said, um, "Well, at least it was uh, at least it was uh, country fans and not punk fans uh, during some stage banter." And then Mike said, "Yeah," and then said it really, really loud, like uh, like louder than Melvin. So, um, but he got it in the neck. But it was actually Melvin who said it first. Wow, um, I actually didn't know that little bit of uh, yeah, info. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, as 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 <laughs> Melvin. usual. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's not. It's like I mean, I think I think Melvin uses the goodwill that is extended his way to his own ends a lot <laughs> yeah. more than we may suggest. Um, yes. Yeah, so yeah, not a particularly uh, cool thing to say, but uh, but but also, you know, I will I will say like I, I don't think it was worth people you know picketing their live shows for four years or whatever like it yeah i um i saw i think they've said worse on an album i mean they have said worse and they also haven't uh been um been uh sort of key to uh preventing access to uh mental health um yeah uh they've not been key in uh preventing um any sort of gun regulation or uh <laughs> you know the, the the reason that that shooting happened or the reasons or whatever isn't down to a punk band who made a joke about it after it had happened yeah so if you're getting upset about that and picketing them maybe focus your efforts on on a band who've already had their entire tour pulled by the way so it's not like they've not yeah reaped any um 
response from that. And, and they, they that... have always said, you know, like they did apologize and they do genuinely understand that what they said was shitty. Like they're yeah. not, they, they haven't like doubled down on it like a lot of people do. They've they've not uh, they've not suddenly uh, gone. Uh, I've I've been cancelled quickly. Um, no, I can't be on your podcast about how I've been cancelled because I'm on six other ones and I've got TV tomorrow as well. <laughs> um, you know, they uh, if anything, they actually got cancelled in the way that people think it happens. Yeah, no, actually cancelled. I'm not saying that. Yeah, you know, none of this is is to defend anything they say or to celebrate anything they say. It's just just sort of what's happened, really. Because um, I've, I mean, I suppose it makes a change from Mike talking about how much he enjoys drugs, but just <laughs> generally all he's been saying since a, since you know the the mid noughties But you know, it's uh, yeah. So this was this was before that. Certainly. Yeah, much before that. Yeah, yeah. This is this is uh, a way away. Because do you get what what I mean when I say like, I feel like this is the sort of music that, you know, the sort of people that are like in 2018 did want to cancel no effects. I feel like this album is like what they would expect the music of no effects to be, you know, like belligerent songs about 72 hookers (laughs) and I fatty. And uh, I don't know. To a degree. I mean, I think. I think sellout is an interesting one just because it, it reveals a little bit about how Mike feels he's seen in the yeah. scene. Yeah. Um, which is, he's not, uh, you know, he's not, he's not considered to be this sort of um, musical genius artist, slightly tortured or whatever, like maybe Tim Armstrong would be like one of his friends, Tim Armstrong. He, and he's not considered to be this sort of intellectual genius like one of his friends, uh, Greg Graffin would be. And he's not, you know... Yeah. Cons- you know, And all of these things, um, he's not considered a, a heartthrob like his friend Billy Joe Armstrong would be. He's mm-hmm. not all of these... things, And he's just sort of there. And he's been doing a lot of... You know, he's one of those people who says that, you know... Uh, I'm not successful unless everybody is successful. So sort of working to make a community of people who can make money off of, or make a living, just survive doing the thing they love to do. Yeah. And then he's like, why is everyone calling me a dickhead all of a sudden? I'm just, why is it? I drive a a Volvo and my guitar is like a a cheap Asian copy of 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 a famous guitar. And, Everyone's like, you are a sellout. I'm like, well, I didn't, what? <laughs> so it's sort of, you know, for a band that's never been on a major label to be called sellout so much, it's uh, really strange because who calls bad religion sellouts, even though they signed to Atlantic? I think what people you mean know? when they say sellout mm. is, you know, uh, accomplished, successful businessman. You know, like yeah. Mike is a, a ve- is very good at the economics of the music business. Yeah. And whilst I don't think that he is, I don't think he's exploited anyone. I don't think that he's, I mean, he is a millionaire, but he's not like, yeah. he's, he's, he's not intensely rich. Um, I, I'd say there isn't really a problem, but you know, I mean, punks are going to punk. Obviously, of course they are. Uh, of course, um, of course, that's that's the thing, isn't it? Because sort of 
people would argue, I mean, obviously, where are the CDs made? All of these things, where are the T-shirts made? There's exploitation happening along the way. True. Of course, but that is... That's that's just participating in capitalism. It Um, is, uh, to which we do not really have a choice. No, unfortunately. However, all of the things that he does have control over, he seems to have been conscious of making it work for all parties. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I do think that someone with a back catalogue as rich as Fat Mike, I kind of think... I kind of think he deserves to be a millionaire. Like, I think that if you're putting out that much um, output, and I mean, like, they are releasing... I mean, they they basically have a release every year. At least, um, yeah, yeah. Something, something you know, yeah. whether it's an EP or a single or whatever. Like, they, they are In releasing some cases, something. A, t- a TV show or a book, you know. Yeah, but they don't just take five years off like a lot of bands. Oh, they, yeah, yeah. Really, really pr- prolific um, songwriters and creators of music. And... So it doesn't surprise me that Fat Mike is a millionaire. No. And it's one of those things where people... uh, Well, Mike has said, if you don't release new music, you're a legacy band. Yeah. If you just go out and truss out the hits, you know, if you keep recording, you keep putting out new music, then that means you are relevant because that music will be relevant to the time, usually. Oddly enough, we're talking about self-entitled, which seems to have less relevant to the time it was made. That's not fair, actually. I think it's just Ronnie and Mags is throwing me. Um, mm. Because, yeah, sort of half of this is sort of out... Not even half. Some of it's outward and some of it is inward. And then you go from sort of... Yeah, so sell out. Yeah, fine. We got Down With The Ship. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I think these next three tracks are just sort of like album filler. And I, I, I don't really feel anything towards them. <laughs> No, I don't. I don't care for that one. Um, I don't care numb. for my my sycophant others. Yeah. Apart from the uh, the funny bit of um, um, Hell Hefe talking in the middle of it, that is quite fun. Mm-hmm. But um, I suppose, uh, pardon me. Um, I suppose it's. Uh, I think it's actually. I like. I like the the. Um, sentiments of the song i like the idea of rejecting sycophants you need people to tell you whether what you're doing is good or not um and i think that that is important because this is a conversation i i occasionally have with um my uh uh improv chums uh chris lum talk about how movie directors who were amazing a million years ago become shit and boring because nobody tells them no anymore yes that's very true little baby steven spielberg goes i want to do this and the studio goes come on little baby steven spielberg we're not spending that kind of money on you make it work a different way and then he does and then makes a good movie and then oh here comes old man steven spielberg do whatever you think is right all of a sudden no one's editing you I find like the, the later work of William Friedkin, who did The Exorcist, is absolutely awful, but he's convinced himself it's brilliant. <laughs> and then, and you, yeah, and you can also uh, get rid of uh, anyone who goes, I don't know, Bill, I think this isn't uh... right. You get out. Oh, no. 
I mean, I think it's <laughs> wonderful, William. I think you've done really well. Thanks. <laughs> it's just, you know, and, and that's, and also, you know, you see that with rock stars as well. I mean, someone must have told Axl Rose that Use Your Illusion was as good as Appetite for Destruction. <laughs> no, I think you pretending to be Freddie Mercury is a really good idea, Axel. No, I don't think you should play any more sleazy rock and roll that's all really, really cool and that you can smell the fucking B.O. and herpes on. <laughs> ah, do a big song about what's so civil about war anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just, it, it ruins it. You know, you need to be, you know, there are comic book writers I love who you sort of go, do you know what? They work best when they've actually got someone, when the editor of the comic book company goes, how's about this? And then rein them in a bit and you go, oh, look at that. Now you've got that. Oh, you, you mean Frank Miller? I, I actually mean Garth Ennis. But, um, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Garth, unless, unless it's one of his war stories, uh, in which case they are peerless and beautiful things. But mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I love Garth Ennis so, so much. But uh, I think his certainly his Vertigo era output yeah. cannot cannot overstate how important Karen Berger would have been to that process uh, as the editor. But anyway, uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, Frank Miller is a uh, an entirely different kettle of um, lunacy. Racists. Of racists, yeah. He's a different <laughs> kettle of racists. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to speak about somebody who's putting out a reaction to 9-11 much too late for it to actually have any impact, then Frank Miller can definitely join the conversation. But um, Didn't they let him draw a Wolverine cover recently? And it's like one of the ugliest things I've ever seen. Oh, very possibly. Very possibly. It's <laughs> um, really yeah. funny. It's where, again, when little baby Frank Miller turns up and goes, uh, I've got idea for Daredevil. You go, really? What is it? Is this? Well, that's very good. Maybe yeah. this, that, and the other. And then all of it, yeah, and you go, yeah. wow, this Daredevil character is good for once. Yeah. Um, and then you go, I've got an idea for this thing. It's called Sin City. All right. Cool. Um, and is that the only thing you're ever going to write? Yep. Even if the title is different. <laughs> anyway. Um <laughs> You can tell how unimpressed we are with self-entitled. We've gone on several tangents. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, We're so sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're having a nice time. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, This Machine is for. I've got absolutely no idea what this song is about. I'm guessing it's about it's... them as a band, right? Um, There's four four members. We each do equally important things to create what no effects is. That's what I assumed it was about. Well, maybe. Because... Uh, but then there's this thing of this machine was invented by McBean. Oh. Unless the <laughs> lyrics that I got and copied and pasted into this Word document so that I can read them. It's not, I mean, I love the first line. Condescension, condescending keeps us gay. <laughs> oh, wow, might, I really haven't read the lyrics. This might be wrong. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's um, fleece the rich and cheat the poor. That's what this machine is for. Um, and I think I think it's a social commentary, but it's one that is uh, vague enough that I can't work out precisely which bit of society is being uh, spoken about. Is it something? To, do they think that uh, you know c- capitalism is ran by like a four horsemen type uh, type thing, 
that there are like four elements that make up the exploitation that we all live under or something like that. I mean, I think you're reading too much into the title because in the lyrics it said that's what this machine is for. Um, ah, is, okay. As in what this machine is designed to do. Right. This machine sure. is for, they've just done a sort of Prince thing of just putting the number four instead of the word for. How fun. I mean... They've never done it before. They never do it again. Why on earth would they not? <laughs> because I did think when I was, um, you know, like sellout yes. is obviously like they, they spell it with a C. Yes. And I'm like, oh, yes. That, that, that's cool that you've changed the word, but it doesn't actually have any further meaning. No, 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 no. The connotations and denotations do not change. Yeah. And I think that's unfortunate because I think in the past, they, it normally does when they change, like swap out letters and things like that. Yeah, I think it's, um, and again, it's my sycophant others, that actually works, sort of, because it's yeah. like significant. It's a bit clunky, but... Works oh, well. that's what they're doing there. I get it. Yep. Well, you get it now. Okay, so maybe it wasn't as good as I thought. I've, <laughs> I've given them far too yeah. much. Yeah, Far too much. Uh, we get to uh, possibly the, the most standout track sonically. Yeah. And speed-wise, um, got one jealous again, again. Look, n- not my favourite track, but they are doing something interesting here. I, I um, yeah, I find it quite intrig. It's an intriguing song. Yes, I think uh, I remember when I got the album and I saw the title, and I thought Mike's got divorced. Oh, that's interesting because I, I didn't know what it was about until it started listening to it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, Mike's got divorced." <laughs> yeah, but I because I, I really like uh, "Got Too Jealous Again." I just really like that song on uh, Errorism. Oh, okay, yeah. So it, it's it's another. There's a lot of songs on here that are like almost paired with other songs from their previous catalogue, and that might go some way to explain why none of these songs feel like they kind of stand on their own. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe. Mm, interesting. Maybe that's it. Maybe and this... W- would I be right in thinking... Uh, so Jealous Again is like a, a Black Flag album? Black Flag release, yeah. Um, yeah, Jealous Again. Because obviously a lot of the lyrics are about him and his record collection, which I presume he... He he won in the divorce. Well, um, it, the it's a reference uh, we to got too jealous again is about how when he and his wife moved in together, or when he looked through his wife's record collection, he uh, saw some like hair metal. He talks about like Hanoi Rocks, Paul Stanley, uh, Guns yeah. N' Roses. But then he also saw like a load of hardcore and punk. And Jealous Again is one of the albums that he saw in there. And the sort of... And how uh, they're like, all oh, right, this is uh, this is going to work because we both have this taste in in music, and this is about how when they split up, they had to divide the records. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really sad. I actually find like this more personal than even Fat Mike's other personal songs. Like, I'm a huge fan of My Orphan Year from mm-hmm. Coaster. But there's something about it that it doesn't cut through to like me feeling genuinely sad. Uh, I don't know. There's something about it where I feel like Mike is 
at peace with the death of his parents. And I just think it's a really good song. But this, this feels sad. It really does, doesn't it? I think it's, um, it's, yeah, there's something very, very um, uh, sort of gut punchy about it, I think. And it's and it goes into a little bit more detail. Uh, we've I've got we've got two jealous agains. It's just sort of listing stuff, you know. And the sort of the closest it gets to anything else is I knew you were the one. And it's a very very it's a really really nice song. I really really like it. And then in this one, it's sort of talking about how you know you were um, you know I. I was listening to music and you put on the TV and watched reality shows while I put headphones on um, and all the rest of it. There's one funny thing in this song, though, which is uh, he says, uh, I'll take the Figazi picture disc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Figazi never released a picture disc. No. Never. He put it in there because he knew that record nerds would be like, what? What did Figazi release on picture? And then start... <laughs> start trying to hunt it down getting on ebay and shit so um, so he's, he's just trolling people yeah, even in a song about <laughs> his divorce that is an emotional high point of the uh, album he's just like <laughs> brilliant yeah yeah so, that's uh, brilliant yeah yeah absolutely. i was thinking like that doesn't seem like a very fugazi thing to do of course not you can't charge six dollars for a picture disc not in this economy. Um, so, yeah, so that's uh, that's very, very funny. It's another little bit. I mean, and, and this is the one where uh, he mentions the spit, but I fucking kept the spits. Yeah. Like, so uh, so his ex-wife got the Misfits coffin set, and he got the spits. Well, what? well done, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Sorry, <laughs> Again, Mike. We're... For those who listened two weeks ago, we did apologise for not enjoying the spits very much. Um, so if you want us to apologise for it today, go and listen to that one again. <laughs> we could do with the downloads. Um, so, yeah. And then, um, yeah. I mean, is this the least inspiring final song on a NoFX album today? I don't even know what they're doing with this final song. Look. You've got a final song right there. I've got one jealous again again. Would be a yeah. great final song. What are you doing? Like, are you all right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe not. Maybe he wasn't all right. Yeah, fact, I get the feeling that he was quite sad when he made this album. Quite a lot of this album. Yeah. And I think, and it's a very, very Mike album. You don't get a yes. lot of, even though this is unusual in that it has a song that was co-written by Melvin, this doesn't feel I think this might be where no effects albums started to feel a bit more like Fat Mike and No Effects albums. Yeah, sure. I I think Maybe. that when he is happy and enjoying life, I think he puts more effort into his songwriting. And I think if you look at um, Coaster or First Ditch Effort, which kind of sandwich this album, yeah, um, I think that there has just been a great deal more of time that has been spent on composing each song. There's like little flourishes in songs which 
you don't you don't get in in this album this album is they're just kind of like i don't know it feels like he, he wrote them and then they recorded them and they didn't add much overdubs or other instruments um it's very stripped yeah and yeah i don't know because i remember you know but basically as soon as we for, for those of you who want a quick look behind the curtain as soon as we sort of record one of these album or record deep dives we immediately stop listening to that album and start listening to the next one mm-hmm. and i remember being sort of i just had a quick look at the track listing to remind myself last time and i went Oh, cool. Um, we've got uh, self-entitled. Oh, yeah, I like those songs. And it's weird because I think I like the songs more than I like the album. In a weird sure. way. I think as a sort of... As a whole cohesive thing, yeah. It's not my... I know you've said that this is your least favourite No Effects album that we've covered so far. I just I, look back, you know, like even like Ribbed has got like green corn on it which is mm. fucking great yeah, yeah. and firmly deserves to be on their greatest hits and in their live sets and stuff like that. But I don't think this album has any song that's even like close to that. I mean, I'm, I'm still, I'm still here screaming for she didn't lose her baby. But, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. It's a good song. But, uh, and that's the thing is, yeah, there's good songs, but yeah, I don't know. That's it, I think there's good songs on here. I don't think there's great songs. Fair enough. Yeah. It's, um, I th- it does feel like this is a, not a blip, but this is a, if no effects albums are a reflection of how healthy no effects is as an entity at uh-huh. the time of recording it. This is probably a probably a lower point than than usual, maybe. Yeah, and I think, and I, I feel like this. Uh, bearing in mind, I haven't listened to single or double album either. Um, I've heard sure. bits off them. Yeah, but I get the feeling that this uh lines up with those in that they aren't no effects favorites that it feels like this is one of the albums that people like to knock and denigrate from time to time uh i mean that's true of all of their albums but i think <laughs> yeah I you're think, right you're uh, right. i think more but i i when when we talk about things like that we'll just have to say more than average yes um, that's yes. that's the that's the uh intended meaning yeah it's strange um it's it's not one i'm going to miss not listening to sort of every day for a week which yeah. is how i sort of do this and i wonder if they're um like, because I'm quite interested in their strategy in terms of, you know, like album sales and all of that. Because I remember when Self Entitled came out and it didn't really, it didn't, came out to not much fanfare. Um, I think single and double album were quite similar. They were just kind of released 
Um, there wasn't a big deal made about their singles. I don't think there was any music videos from it. And I just think that in 2012, when this was released, is that strategy starting to suffer, you know, in in the climate of what the music industry was at the time? Um, you know, you, you kind of want to cut through with a big music video or j- just something that can generate clicks and shares on social media and they seem uh very against all of that nonsense um and i don't know i just feel like this is one of the albums that got lost i think Mm. when i found out about this album it had already been out for a couple years i read a review of it earlier and i can't remember where it was from i got to it through the wikipedia page Someone wrote an article, wrote a review of it, saying um, it's a sad day when you have to take no effects and put them in the category of just another band. Mm. And based off of this album, I can perhaps understand why someone would come to that conclusion based on this. Also, I'm wondering if. Is this the only album they've ever recorded outside of California? Because this was recorded in Colorado. Yes, at the Blasting Room. And that's very strange for no effects. Well, it's Bill Stevenson's um, studio. Yeah. Perhaps if this was around the time of Mike's divorce. I don't know when that was, but maybe Ah, being outside of... California was that or that was when Bill Stevenson was available but he was like well I'm not coming out to yeah California for this and he's like well and they're all like well we want to record with you maybe they just fancied a change you know yeah absolutely as the the speculation is is unhelpful I suppose to a degree Mm. even though I just speculated loads but yeah well (laughs) um yeah it's I sort of yeah I feel like this was that I, I I'm glad this album exists because it feels like we don't get first ditch effort without this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And look, hey, if this is uh my least favourite No Effects album, it still isn't still isn't a shit album. I just don't think it's very good by No Effects's standards. But mm. if you compare this to loads of other bands, even bands in the same sort of genre, you know, I still think this is this is better than a lot of people's um, efforts. Uh, it reminds me of one of, La- La- it might even be Lagwagon's most recent album. Um, the uh, but, 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 Hang, oh, yeah. which, which came out in 2014. It reminds me a lot of that album, which is not my favorite Lagwagon album, but it's also not my least favorite. It's just fine. Mm. I suppose if you pick any other band, a peer of no effects or otherwise, if you look at what their 12th album <laughs> yeah. sounds like compared to their fifth, yeah, what are you going to do? Mm. I, feel, I, f- I feel that we do this a lot. We, t- we can sometimes talk about an album and only say Mike. We yeah. sort of, we sort of very rare, but, but the way I, I see no effects currently going is it appears that Mike sort of demos with 
um, various people. And then the rest of the band come in and just sort of play what's already been decided beforehand. Yeah, and I think in, like. in, in previous albums that I haven't enjoyed, I've been like, yeah, but, you know, Sandin still sounds great. But I, yeah. I actually, I think the drum sound on this isn't anywhere near as good as previous albums. I don't think there's anything wrong with the playing, mm. but I, I don't think the drum sound sounds as good as previous efforts. And, and particularly, I, I don't hear melvin's guitar because i always think that melvin has like quite an interesting um rhythm guitar like it's quite crunchy and mm. I, I don't know like I, I i love melvin's playing but i think that he kind of just fades into the background here and is is just playing the most um cursory of rhythm guitar to el jefe's lead uh, i, I feel like a lot of lead on this album as well there's quite there a lot is, of solos yeah. uh which is always nice to hear yes so you know thumbs up for that but yeah, yeah. I, it's it is a peculiar one isn't it but the solos aren't anywhere near as good i don't think as coaster um that's, that's got some really she didn't lose ones. her baby again i think is a is, is a blister blistering solo. oh yeah and i think that's but, a good one but i can't i can't no, recollect I, yeah. any others but i pound could give you pound, like, you're probably you're probably correct so i could say. give you like three killer solos off of coaster at least well that's true well it starts with one doesn't it really? yeah so you know <laughs> it's um i don't know again we'll we'll never fully know why that album came out the way it did there's there's all sorts of uh all sorts of reasons that it could be but that's uh, self-entitled what do you reckon out there it's uh, we'd love to hear from you it's seems to be sort of decidedly middle of the road as far as uh um what do you call them reviewers and stuff critics go so i guess we'll find out yeah it's uh, again really interested to hear what people have to say about this one yeah. i was very underwhelmed but i'm equally interested in people that love this people that are a bit meh about it it's just a it's just an odd one it's not if you if you mention you know no effects albums to people i don't think anybody's going to turn around and go oh what self-entitled it's like <laughs> it's one that really slips the mind it would it would take you it would take you aback slightly wouldn't it mm. yes well uh the next thing they released is stoke extinguisher Yes, which is seven inch Stoke Exting Stoke Extinguisher and the shortest pier, which is from the songs of Tony Sly, a tribute. So it's a no use for a name song that, or no, it's a Tony Sly song that uh -huh. they that they covered. Um, oh, I should, I think uh, it might have been around this time that Tony Sly passed away. In which case. That's another thing that really hit Mike. Very, you know very what hard. we could potentially do? Yeah, go on. Um, isn't there like a song for uh, the songs? That, isn't there like a tribute album to Tony Sly that Joey yes, Cape did? Uh, well, there's the songs of Tony Sly, a tribute, which was. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. Okay, so sorry, I'm just getting the timeline right here. Tony Sly died between the recording and releasing of Self-Entitled. Oh, okay. Um, and the following year, 
the songs of Tony Sly, which is a brilliant album. Um, 26. Um, so, oh, wow, there's even some, uh, some, oh, the bonus digital downloads, which I, oh, I've got that one. Yeah, I bought it on iTunes. Um, it's got, it's got so many amazing songs on it. Uh, Tony Sly songs are just brilliant. And there's like 33 songs on the digital download. We could have a look at that one if people wanted. I think that would make sense because as you said, like it was really quite um, a big event in Mike's life. Obviously he, he speaks about it on first ditch effort. Yes. Um, And there are so many bands on here, which are, you know, ones that we talk about. I mean, it opens with a Karina Danike track. It does. Um, <laughs> so I think, you know, like No Effects, Bad Religion, Pennywise, Frank Turner. Um, we've got you know, all sorts of people Friends on there. Alkaline Trio are on there. Friends of Rom, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Teenage Bottle Rocket. Teenage Bottle Rocket, Friends of Rom. Um, oh, dear. Anti-Flag. <laughs> well. <laughs> kind of everything. Well, there's more than one, more than one member of uh, Anti Flag, I suppose. <laughs> Simple plan: get all the kids in. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, so uh, yeah, we could have a look at that. Let us know if you'd like us to, because that'll be the first fully non-no effects. They do have one song on there, shortest pier, but uh, yeah, we might try that out. So, I mean, I don't think we need to bother about Stoke Extinguisher because that's just one song. Everything else on it is. Uh, previously released yeah which does mean the next thing we have a look at will be first ditch effort oh i can't wait one of the one of the one of the great ones which is such a tonic after self-entitled um and um and if you'd like us to go through the songs of tony sly a tribute and if you've not heard it do it's so good so much stuff on there um then do let us know, punkrockelitepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought about our vicious dissection of self-entitled. Uh, have we just cut your favourite album open and uh, played with the blood? Is that what we've done? We apologise <laughs> if we have. We didn't intend to. Um, anyway, I suppose we'd better... Uh, any final thoughts on self-entitled, Red? Um, no. <laughs> Cool. Well, let's put us all out of our misery and we'll see you in the outro. There we go. It wasn't roundly loathed as much as I thought. I'm just having a bit of fun. There's some yeah, songs on there that I like. but There are some songs on there that we like. I, th- I think our criticism is that there aren't songs on there that we love. But, like, yeah. I do think we downplay. I d- There's worse to come. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah no this will be this will be like a beautiful highlight uh these will be the halcyon days it's um i just i think it was a fairly low inspiration album yeah for me and i think that's what what sets it apart from others because what was the previous one coaster and the next one is first ditch effort yeah, it's and, weird, isn't it? Um, and what happens in the middle? Something really not that... Sonically, this is a bit closer to First Ditch Effort. Mm. But, yeah. but content-wise, 
Yeah, lacking. I still really love she didn't lose her baby. I still think that's uh that's really, really good. But you know, that's how it goes. What did you reckon to self entitled? Please email us at punkrockelitepodcast at gmail dot com and let us know what you thought. Have we got any correspondence this week? Correspondence, yes we do. We've got got an email here. From um, uh, Greg Halasian, Halasian, Halasian. I'm so sorry. I get your name wrong every time, Greg. Um, how's it going? Not bad, thanks. I'm a diehard Blink fan. Cool. Aha. Big fan of this podcast and the band No Effects. Through the last couple of episodes, I've gathered you don't care much for Blink 182. Interested if you can elaborate on more why you don't care for them. And also, what are your thoughts on their last album, One More Time? Not sure when you're set to release First Ditch Effort, but that's a true gem. Rock on, Greg from Jersey. Nice one. Thanks, Greg. Thank you, Greg. Um, Well, First Ditch Effort should be coming out the week after this episode. So, uh, And correct, it is a gem, but spoilers. Um, Well, let's take these in in a varying order. um, are, Are you a Blink fan, Red? uh no i'm not a a blink fan um i don't i don't hate them or anything uh i think my view on it is is sort of like because we're you know we're we're fans of like no effects and rancid and pennywise and bad religion and like that school of punk Mm. i kind of see blink as like after that where it sort of like went a little bit more towards um it leaned more towards pop than punk um yeah Around that time when sort of like Blink were big, I I was a bit more of a Sum 41 fan than I was a Blink fan. Now, <laughs> as an adult, I, I don't I don't I don't love either, mm. but I I certainly don't uh, hate them or or uh, think anyone or think less of anyone who who does like them. I just think it's a slightly different school of punk rock. Yes, I would I would lean towards agreeing with that. I think they're very satisfying to make fun of. Um I, Oh you. I know, I know, but I They are like the the boy band of punk rock. Do you know what I mean? Like they're like They are. Not not in the sort of punk rock's end sync. Yeah, I mean certainly not in the sense that they were put together by a company. No. Yeah. You know, that would be a bad not manufactured. Life, but... That would be manufactured. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. That's more like, you know, Busted or McFly are very much that kind of thing. And I think it's... I don't know. I it, it, I don't mind. I don't mind the fact that they're sort of baby's first punk band. That's fine. Mm-hmm. That someone has to be. And there's nothing really wrong with that in that they came up through the same... You know, they... They did the same things. They did the club shows. They did the Warped Tour. They did all of those kind of things. Um, you know, so they're not sort of queue jumping. Yeah. In that sense, they definitely love punk and stuff like that. So I don't hate them from a sort of using it to get somewhere, you know, bandwagon jumpery thing. So there's nothing. I don't believe any of those things about Blink-182. I just... I find their output to be a little bit thin on the ground. 
it's a bit mainstream. It's. I, I it's think a... they're very similar to Green Day. I, I would struggle to work out who I prefer out of Green Day and Blink. I think you much prefer Green Day. I really, really like Green Day. Um, up to about American Idiot, I was excited about because it sounded like they were playing punk again after Warning, which I thought was a really dreary and drab album. But mm. yeah, uh, Dookie, Insomniac, Nimrod, Kaplunk as well. Those are for really, really great records. Um, I, I've, I've seen Blink-182 a couple of times. I've seen them at festivals. Mm-hmm. And they do they do a good show. Absolutely. They're like fun oh, that's to watch. Cool. I'd like to see Blink. They're fun they they are fun to watch. They certainly were before their first split up anyway. I don't sure. know about now. That the the I mean, when I saw them it, it must have been, you know, getting on for twenty years ago. So they were they were good fun to watch. And, you know, no one's no one's saying that Travis can't play drums like a like a crazy twat. So brilliant. I just just the I sort of I don't know why I just find everything just that little bit too forced like I find all of the the toilet humor bantery stuff I find it sort of it feels like they're trying a bit too hard and the emotional songs I find don't particularly hit very emotionally because it feels kind of rudimentary Mm. so it could be that i just didn't care for their songs very much i think the um i'm so i'm I'm a bigger fan of mark than i am the other two members i find the other two members take themselves really seriously and i find that weird because i'm like guys you're in blink 182 you're like in one of the silliest bands in the world yeah, and then but then like Travis is all sort of like there with his like in in intense sort of like vibe, and I'm like, oh yeah, he's Travis, uh, he's, he's <laughs> like, like, like he sort of doesn't know whether what he really is, whether he's this sort of troubadour musician, yeah. or a really really intense model. Yeah, and and I'm just like, I don't think you're either of those, mate. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, but I, I really like Mark. He seems really nice. Yeah, tra- Travis has a lot of balls acting that way when he's been in the Aquabats and Blink-182. <laughs> it's, it's funny, isn't well, it? I'm like... sorry, what next? A band who dresses as chimps who are all doing a shit? Is that what you're going to be in? And then act as if you're some fucking poet? What is... Yeah. <laughs> See, this is why it's so satisfying to make fun of them, because it, <laughs> it's... Hey, let's they... not forget, hey, hey, Tom believes in aliens as well. Like, And I mean, hey, look... I. I think aliens are probably likely to exist in some form. But yeah. he like really thinks they're here and they've they've abducted your nan back in the sixties. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's um, and that's fine. In fact, I, I his earnestness about that I, I I appreciate because. But it's sort of. But again, so anyway, here's a song it's, about it's diarrhea, silly. and now here's a song about being sad. <laughs> it, it, the thing is, like. Tom DeLonge's views are silly, but he doesn't treat them as if they're silly. He treats them like they're very serious and normal and and perfectly reasonable, actually. And I think that's that's my thing with Blink. It's like I I I think they are a very silly band, but they haven't realised that yet. <laughs> I know, they used to it, know that. Yeah, know. yeah. They they tried <laughs> to shake it off, and it didn't quite. 
It's a good, it's a good question. Thank, thanks to Greg for, for yeah. Thank you, Greg this. from Jersey. And, and to respond to his last question as well, I've only heard one of the new singles, the slow one. I believe they've released two singles, like a fast yes. one and a slow one. I've, I've heard only the heard one. the slow one. Yeah. Um, and the video of that again was it was quite silly. It was quite a silly video because the music to me sounds a little silly because it's got Tom DeLonge's voice on it. But mm. then again, they're like staring to to camera with like in intent and like intense but, eyes and i'm like oh no this isn't of, the music for that it, they're sort of doing this oh we're back together again and they've done this and they sort of made it as if it's about a relationship but it's about mark and tom yeah like it, it, but i think it's sort of so inelegantly done mm. it's really sort of first pass lyrics and stuff like that and it's like But then, but I know, so basically my assistant at work is a huge Blink fan, huge, massive. And like... Cool, what is that work experience? (laughs) That's so mean. It's real. I know, but it's... uh... But no, he he is much younger. That one's on me, that was me being a twat. But um, he he like hadn't seen that video yet because he knows it'll make him cry. So as much as like, I will judge Blink-182 for their output, they are clearly making stuff that works for their fans. Like their fans are yeah. very much invested in it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So I'm sorry, um, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry um, about that. If, uh, if it's upset you, but I understand people do, uh, do love Blink-182 a lot. We've probably upset most of our audience by calling them Blink-182, which is. Oh yeah, uh, is that, is that not what they are? 182 is how they call themselves really yeah yeah because it's some it's the it's i feel like nat- that never made it to british playgrounds no it never did no in, in the uk we all called them blink 182 um and i think i remember seeing one year at the leeds festival they had a uh they had a t-shirt with um and it was written in words blink sure. 182 um which uh um i thought was fun and i don't know if that's just because when they got to the uk and everyone was like are you are you him off of blink 182 and they're like what blink 182 like blink 182 yeah blink 182 and they just <laughs> so um yeah that's uh that's quite funny uh so yeah we we uh I, i'm not going to change it because come on i've been saying it that way for 20 years Fair. um uh, but you will all respect my pronouns no, it's fine. It's, uh... <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a weird uh, it's it's a weird one because people. I think there was a part of me when I was younger that was slightly annoyed that they were the face of American punk rock. Sure, because I felt that they were such a tiny portion of what American punk rock had to offer. Mm-hmm. But then you can't pick one American punk band because of the variety, the wide range. Who are you going to pick? You know, it, it because you know, yeah. So, so it would have been had it been a band I was way more into, I'd have probably been fine with it because I was. Well, this is must have been when I was about sixteen or so. So you know, but I think um, I always liked things a bit bit smarter i don't mind a bit of boneheaded silliness for fun but i sort of found 
Yeah, I found the sort of... I always thought that bands that smile when they play are really sus. <laughs> like people who look like they're really pleased with themselves while they're doing it. Yeah, there's um and I... the bassist for Against Me, or like the last time I saw Against Me, which would have been five, six years ago, their bassist had like a Beatles haircut. Oh, yeah, just... he looks smiled the entire time and i found it so off-putting yeah he's, he's like a little dd ramon isn't he <laughs> yeah 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 but it it really uh it really bothered me <laughs> <laughs> it, i don't know what it is it's uh, there's something i remember there was it was something that i always found sus because i always imagined and and i got this from like local bands when i was a teenager we were playing with other bands and there'd be bands our age like 15 16 whatever and they'd be they'd be smiling while they were playing, but the smiles were like real stage school, like theatre yeah, kids smiles. Tits and teeth. Yeah, and it's like, has your mum coached you <laughs> on on how to perform? Because that's not like if something happens and you smile at the other person on stage. I'm not saying you have to like anyone who smiles, but but sort of. The performance smile, like the quiz show host smile, smiling at no one and everyone all at once. And I always found that they're sort of, they were very sort of gurney. And I didn't like the gurning thing. It was, I don't know, but why do I forgive that of the toy dolls? I've no idea. It's 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 a weird one. So yeah, so thank you, Greg. Um, yeah, I didn't think much to the new, uh, to the slow song. But I haven't heard the fast song. No, no, I haven't, and I and I did prefer their fast songs. Um, I had Enema of the States when it came out. I thought it was all right. I really didn't like all the small things. I thought it was really boring. It, it is quite, and it's um, it's mixed in a very mainstream radio play way. Like it's not oh, mixed yeah. like a punk track. But no. I do think other tracks of theirs are. But like, yeah, what's my age again? Sounds yeah, like exactly, you know, yeah. But for whatever reason, that one and the guitars were very, very clear and sort of quite low in the mix and sort of yeah. had like keyboardy stuff going on in there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, fine if if that if that's your jam, that's your jam. I'm not here to to yuck anyone's yum. But uh, the official position of Punk Rock Elite is that if Blink One Eight Two are brought up, we will be making jokes at their at their expense. Sorry, I will be. Red, mainly main, because main. they are 60-year-old men in shorts. That's true. They never quite decided what they wanted to be. No, they did. And no, then they, they did, decided yeah. they wanted to be uh, emotional as well. Basically, they it's like, I mean, you don't see the vandals doing like... Miss you. Big, yeah, doing miss you. But you do see them doing everything else. Like, um, my name's Johnny and I got diarrhea, 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 diarrhea. One of them blink songs, you know. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know all the names. Don't at me. So anyway, yes, that is, those are our individual and joined feelings on Blink-182. Um, if there is a band you'd like us to dissect in the outro, then uh, please fling them our way, Podcast at gmail.com. I think that's all the correspondent mm-hmm. that we have. Thank you, Greg. Um, if you're still listening, uh, I appreciate if you're not. Um, all things must pass. Uh, well, thank you very much, Red. Been a fun.
Thank you so much, Eddie. Cool, cool, cool. We'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Punk Rock Elite. It was a pick scraped and fruitcake co-production by Eddie French and Red Redmond. If you're not following us on Instagram or subscribe to the podcast, please do. The main theme and production was done by Eddie French. Please contact us at punkrockelitepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you.